Hi, I'm Carl Payton, pastor of Transformation Church RVA. I wanted to take a moment and thank you for checking out this sermon. I also wanted to bring to your attention something that is close to our hearts here. While our team has prayed that this message would stir within you a desire to know more about Jesus and be more like Him, our desire is that it would only be supplemental to your faith journey and not replace the church and faith community God has called you to be a part of locally. With that said, engage with us over the next 30 to 40 minutes as we dig into the Word of God proclaimed. What's up, Transformation Church family? Welcome. I'm so glad you've joined us and we've, we've worshiped together. And uh, now we want to dive into God's Word. And what you've joined us in, if this is your first time joining us online or even in service, uh, we have started a series called The Counselor. And what we're doing, Jesus asked a hundred plus questions throughout uh, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what we're doing for four weeks is we are looking at four of those questions, four questions that I believe are so impactful to your life, to my life, and uh, we're on week three. Now, just to kind of fill you in on what we've been talking about, the very first week, we saw Jesus and the disciples in a boat on the sea, and they come up on this storm that almost kills them. The boat was almost swamped, is what scripture said. And Jesus is sleeping this whole time. They wake him up and said, don't you care if we die? And Jesus looks at the storm, looks at the wind and the waves, and he says, peace, be still. And everything stops. And then he turns to them and he asks the very first question, which was, why are you so afraid? And, and then last week... We, we said, do you believe that I can do this? Do you believe I can do this? Uh, we saw two blind guys that had been blind all their lives, as far as we know, and they come in contact with Jesus, this guy who raises dead girls uh, from death to life. Um, just by speaking to them, he spoke to the wind and the waves, and they stopped. He spoke to this young girl, and she went from being dead to being alive. In fact, Jesus just said, hey, she's just sleeping. And next week, we're talking about doubt. Now, doubt is something I don't know any Christian or even non-Christian that hasn't at some point wrestled with doubt. Doubt around, is God who he says he is? Uh, can I believe his word? Is this faith thing legitimate? Is Jesus Christ, can he really die for all my sins? And we're covering doubt. Jesus asked the question, why do you doubt? But this week, week number three, we're covering a question out of the book of John. So if you want to take your copy of God's word and turn to it, and we're going to take a look at chapter 9. John chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 1 through 9. Very interesting story. Um, and we're going to talk about ongoing challenges and struggles. Now, I don't know who's listening today, but I know you're all over the place. 
Um, some of us are uh, doing great. Like we're spending time at home with our families. And for some of us, it's driving us crazy. Your kids may be driving you crazy. More than likely also your spouse uh, being cooped up for those who are extroverted can drive us crazy. Um, but some of us are really enjoying that home time. Uh, so you may be feeling great, but some of us, like I said last week, this quarantine, COVID-19, all this stress and uncertainty has just fallen on times where we were already dealing with an ongoing challenge, an ongoing struggle. And that's the lens with which I want you to uh, look at today's message. Through the lens of ongoing struggle, struggles that persist, not short-lived ones, not ones that um, come and go, uh, but ones that have been, you've been dealing with for a long time. Um, and so maybe that's headaches, maybe that's something medical. I know many of my friends who have been dealing with medical problems for years and years and years, depression, um, friends and family. Maybe you know someone that's been wrestling with something for so long. Overeating. Maybe it's overspending or overcommitting to something. Maybe you have just dealt with uh, persistent, like addiction has just grabbed your life. It could be addiction to drugs or alcohol, but listen, it could also be addiction to Netflix, to your phone, to Facebook, you go to these things versus going to Jesus. This is something you wrestle with. You can't seem to get rid of it. Or, or maybe it's a relationship today. I mean, all of us find ourselves sometimes in places where struggle seems to just never let us go. And that's the story we're diving into today. So if you're wrestling with something or know someone, I encourage you to share this video um, to get this word to them from God's word, because one thing we know is that God's word can change things through his Holy Spirit, revealing truth to our hearts and our minds. We can leave this message today different. I would often say when we met in person right here in this sanctuary behind me, that I pray that we would leave here different than what we came. And that's also my prayer for you today, that you leave this video by the presence of God, leave different. That when the TV turns off, the Holy Spirit has renewed and changed something in your life. Uh, so in John chapter 5, we're going to kind of read together a little bit. 1 through 9, and uh, I'll start here in, in, in verse 1 where it says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Now, I don't know where you have installed your pool. How many of you have pools? If you're here, if you're watching, uh, and you have a pool, go ahead and raise your hand. High five. Don't go get in it now. It's too cold. Uh, but they, there's these pools that were set up in Jerusalem um, next to a sheep gate, not necessarily the place I would set it up. The sheep gate historically was a place where they would pull in sheep for slaughter, for sacrifice. Um, so this, this gate, um, it's not pretty. So if that's what you're picturing, um, 
I want you to have a good picture as we dive into this. But here's a pool and a sheep gate. And in verse 3, we find there's a great number of disabled people um, used uh, to lie. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie. Uh, The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Now, why are all these people gathered together? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. It's the next spot in my notes. Um, These people are gathered around in these colonnades. These five colonnades are kind of laying out. They're laying, they're blind, they're they're invalid as we're about to find our guy today is an invalid. And they're laying here next to this pool because it was uh, believed that an angel would come and stir the water in the pool And if you were the first one to get in, you would be healed. And so people would, it would happen maybe once a day, once every couple weeks, once a month. We're not sure. But when it happened, you had to be the first one to get in. So then we find ourselves here in verse uh, 5. We're about to meet our guy. One who was there had been invalid for 30 years. Eight years, right where you're at, right in the kitchen, um, right in your bedroom, wherever you're watching this. Just say that with me because I I need this to resonate with you. Um, How many years he was invalid for together? 38 years. That is a long time. Verse 6 When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? This question, which is our question for today, do you want to get well in this circumstance blows blows my mind completely. And I'll tell you why. Do you look at a broke guy and ask, do you want $20? No, no, absolutely not. Do you look at someone who's hungry on the street and say, hey, uh, do you want some food? Of course they want food. Of course a broke guy wants a million dollars. When uh, my wife um, looks at me and, and says, uh, and I'm, I'm holding a screaming McKinley, um, does she need to ask, do you need me to take her? No, no, of course I want you to take her uh, because uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Sometimes <laughs> I don't know if any dads out there, uh, mom seems to have the magic touch. Um, and sometimes I can figure it out. Sometimes I can't. Um, so anyway, some questions are just obvious. It would seem the answer is obvious, but Jesus, for some reason, and we're going to talk about it today, asked, do you want to get well? Verse seven, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred while I'm trying to get in. Someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Verse nine, at once, and I love this, at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat. And walked. Uh, and I'll tell you why this stirs my soul right off the bat. Before I even get into the points today, this stirs my soul because in just one moment with Jesus, his entire life changed. 
He had been lying there for 38 years, and in one moment, he came in contact with the presence of Jesus Christ, and it changed the entire course of his life going forward. Man, today, if I, if I had one encouragement, and you're watching this right now, it's that it, it, we believe at Transformation Church that when we encounter Jesus, things change. And that is true for anyone listening and watching today. Now, we find this guy and we need to figure out why Jesus would ask this particular question. Why do you, or do you want to be well? And, and just three things here. One, the longer a problem persists, the longer a problem persists, three things the more discouraged you become. Now, for 38 years, this man, invalid, had laid next to this pool. He'd been th through who knows how much criticism and ridicule. And let me tell you something. He was discouraged. Because also think about this. He's surrounded by paralyzed people. He's surrounded by blind people, people with affliction and who are discouraged. Imagine laying there and uh, hearing people splash into the pool watching because he's not blind. He's watching and hearing all these people get into this pool before him and leave well from what it, we, we can assume. He's also seen people who have laid by this pool and have maybe passed away. And one thing I, I know I can attest to is that the longer you deal with a problem, the more discouraged you become. Living with addiction for years and years. Maybe you've been in a bad marriage for years and months. And let me tell you something. When the marriage isn't right, just a couple days of bad marriage um, or turbulent relationship can cause you to um, it can cause everything to fall apart. Uh, I'm sure you've heard the phrase um, "happy wife, happy life." That is ultimately true, and you know it to be true too. When when things aren't right in relationships, for it, a, a week can seem like a month. A month can seem like years. Health issues. Um, you've tried, nothing's changing, you can become very discouraged. I remember a particular time while I was in college, uh, I uh, went to college in Cleveland, Tennessee, and uh, the school year had ended, and, and some of you have heard this story before because I've told it in service, um, in person, uh, I came back home, I decided to move to uh, Tennessee, and I was living there after the school year had let out. I came home from work one day, and my roommate had just left me a note and said, Hey, I'm moving out. I'm gone. Well, we had gotten this place together uh, because we could afford it together. And this time, this moment when I read this note, uh, really started what was a long period of time of me being very discouraged because what went from I couldn't afford to rent, I got kicked out of my apartment. Um, I lived in various locations around town, eventually living 
in my truck under a bridge off Candy's Lane, uh, right behind the skate park. I would pull in there at night, and I would remember laying there and saying, when is this going to be over? Because it would get too cold at night, and I would turn my truck on, and it would get so hot. The heater in that uh, 1990 F-150 was great. But it would get so hot, and then I'd wake up from being too hot and turn it off, and then wake up again because it was too cold. And I remember over time becoming so discouraged. And so many of you today may be discouraged like this guy. I mean, listen to the tone of his voice. Sir, I have no one to help me. Have you felt that way? I know I certainly did. And so uh, the longer a problem persists, the more discouraged you become. But then also, the longer um, a problem persists, the more excuses you make. Um, You try to put blame somewhere else the longer. And and so look at this guy. And uh, he says, sir, I have no one to help me. Um, look, when the water stirs, everybody runs past me. You see how he's kind of shifting here? And look, I'm, I'm going to give the bro a break because I have never been invalid. Um, and so it's got to be tough, but he's now laid next to this pool for 38 years. 38 years. And I can't help but think that over a course of 38 years, you couldn't have gotten a little closer to the pool. I know If it had been me... Even in, I would have asked someone maybe to help move me closer to the pool. I would have been trying to get myself right up next to the edge. So when that thing starts bubbling up and I, that, that, thing, that angel starts stirring, then I'm the first one to roll in to the pool. And I think many of us can, in our discouraged state, begin to make excuses for our discouraged state. Well, I can't change my husband. I can't change my wife. I can't get a good job because I don't have a degree. I've got no time to exercise. Um, I've tried counseling once. I've even tried church once for like a whole two weeks. (laughs) I tried church and and it didn't work and nothing changed. And so then we start to make excuses over and over again as to why we're still in the situation. So The longer a problem persists, yeah, we become discouraged. But also the longer we persist, we begin to make excuses for why our marriage isn't working. Because um, the more, uh, number three here, the longer a problem persists, the more you learn to compensate. Everybody say compensate. Turn to your neighbor wherever you're at. If you're by yourself, I am so sorry. But just say to yourself, the more, um, the longer a problem persists, the more you learn to compensate. Now, look, there's somebody watching this today. Um, You are excelling at compensating. You are excelling at compensating. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, here's what I mean. Uh, Some of you are functional alcoholics. Um, You go and you can operate, and no one knows that when you get home, you um, can crush a 24-pack by yourself, um, and it's just coursing through your veins at all times. But you have put on a persona and you are covering, compensating so well for it that no one can tell. You're a functioning alcoholic. Uh, maybe today um, you're just existing in a, in a functional, uh, dysfunctional uh, marriage. 
Um, I know for many times in my marriage, things have become dysfunctional. And sometimes it almost seems easier. Like you learn to manage the dysfunction. And so today, a lot of you, um, you don't like the situations you're in. Um, but it might be easier for you to say, well, you know what? I can manage it. I'll just accept it. Um, pornography addiction. Maybe it's living beyond your means. Uh, you, you're doing a great job of compensating by just covering up. People think you've got it going on, but what they don't know is you've been living paycheck to paycheck and stressing about where the next bill and how it's going to get paid. You may not like the circumstances, but you've learned to manage them. You've learned to compensate for them. Um, and, and I just want to say one thing here. You cannot change what you are willing to tolerate. You cannot change what you are willing to tolerate. We talked last week that the biggest hindrance to our faith is the familiar. It's not worry. It's not fear. It's not doubt. The biggest enemy to our faith is the familiar, accepting it. This invalid guy had been not able to walk for 38 years. Maybe you've always struggled financially. But listen, it takes faith to step away from the familiar. And maybe that's one reason Jesus asked, do you want to be well? We found out last week that in James chapter 2, we saw that the faith of Abraham was praised. Why? Because his faith in God, his big faith in a big God was coupled with action. Everybody say action. His faith was coupled with action and his faith was made perfect in it. And so today, um, I think many of us look at our current situations and try and white knuckle it and say, I can control this or it's just easier. This is all I know. But I think what God is calling us to, he would ask you today, do you actually want to be well? It, what seems like such an obvious question here in John, I don't think is very obvious because I think what Jesus saw in this man is a guy who was discouraged, obviously. But maybe he came up with some excuses as to why he, he, things were, weren't the way they needed to be. Um, he maybe was compensating a little bit here because he had been there now 38 years. And I think Jesus would ask many of you today, do you even want to be well? Do you want to get well? Um, in Romans chapter 8, I just, um, we said last week that we need to do what we can do. That we don't need to sit back and, and just say faith and oh, well, maybe the Lord will do it. God calls us to not only have faith, but to do what we can do. That faith and works come together um, to be perfected. In Romans 8, 12 through 17, it says this. Uh, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful natures will do. You will die. Uh, for if you live by your flesh, you will die. But if you, through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. Notice this is put to death. You will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you've not received God's, um, so if you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, instead you received God's spirit. 
when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Listen, what am I saying here? I'm saying there are certain things that have been ongoing in your life that you need to actually believe God can do and decide you want to be well. And when it comes to sin in your life, maybe that's a sin that you've been recurring. It just seems like it won't wrestle out because you've been trying to white knuckle it and control it. What I'm, God is calling you today, he's asking you, do you want to be well? We're going to have to put this to death. And how do we do that? We do that by living by the Spirit. Lastly here, uh, we find in verse 8, Jesus said, um, after he said, hey, nobody's going to help me into the water. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once, at once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. I noticed three things here in this story. One, um, the invalid never asked to be healed. Jesus asked, do you want to be well? And, and he said, well, this is what's been going on, Jesus. Uh, you know, um, But he didn't ask to be well. He didn't earn any of this. And also, Jesus didn't do it the way he thought it was going to go down. Because think about this. Um, this guy had done nothing to earn what Jesus gave him freely. He didn't even have to ask for for it he and honestly he thought his healing was going to come maybe he thought jesus was going to help roll him into the water but that's not how it came hear me today and and no matter what such ongoing challenge you find yourself in right now it may not come the way you think it's going to come um, but i can tell you that you don't have to earn it and you don't even have to ask for it um, in, in, in a sense, because once you come in contact with the presence of God, he sees your need. He asks you what your need is. Do you even want to get well? And this is essentially, lastly, what Jesus said was, I don't want to hear your excuses. I want to see your faith. I don't want to see your, I don't want to hear your excuses. I want to see your faith. He looked at this guy and he didn't give him a bunch of rigmarole. He didn't touch him. He didn't do anything. You know what he did? He just said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. He wanted to see this guy's faith. If you really want to be well, if you really believe I can do that, just get up, pick up your mat and walk. That's exactly what happens. Now, this may look different from you, different for you today. You may take that pack of cigarettes that you've got in your purse or in your wallet and you may take it to the door and throw it away. You may tell your small group um, that you're struggling with something. You may make a phone call to get some counseling for your marriage. I, I don't know what that step is, but Jesus is calling you to make a step. He, he is saying, I want to see your faith. Jesus will do his part. This is what's beautiful about Jesus, that he always does his part. The question today is, will you do yours? Do you want to get well? Jesus didn't say, I'm going to carry you. He said, you get up and walk. And so today, 
What is it for you? Where are you at? What's your ongoing challenge? What's your ongoing problem that just seems to persist? It's got a hold of you. It won't let go. I think Jesus would speak to us and say a couple things. I think he would ask you the question, do you want to be well? I think the other question he would ask is, do you believe I can do it? And just, just a little encouragement before I pray, he can do it. Say it right now to yourself. He can do it. I can't guarantee um, a lot of things. Um, there's, there's many things I cannot guarantee, but one thing we are guaranteed by his word is that when Jesus shows up at his very presence, you don't have to earn it. You don't even have to ask for it. Um, and he may not do it the way you want, but Jesus can do it. His presence can do it. Do you want to be well? I'm going to pray for you right now. And then we're going to cut over to some worship and we're going to seal uh, this service today with some worship. Father, right now we come before you uh, knowing that you hear us. Uh, and specifically right now, I, I want to pray for those who don't know you. God, if they are watching this right now, I pray they would pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I feel your Holy Spirit drawing me. Would you forgive me of my sins? I believe that you died and rose again to save me, to give me life. And so right now I declare you, Lord, that I give you complete control. And for those today, Father, uh, who are wrestling with an ongoing struggle, Jesus, I ask that through your Holy Spirit, through your word today, that we would allow it to bear its weight on us in such a way that we leave change, that we leave doing what we can do and having a big faith in you and believing that we can be well through your spirit. Father, it doesn't have to be this way all the time. We can trust you for it and trust you through it until it happens. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Would you worship with us? Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.